have your Bible today, you want to grab your Bible and turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And we're in a series of messages uh, that we call Great Expectation. Great Expectation. And let me tell you kind of where my heart is concerning this series and what I think the Lord is really wanting to speak to us is, if you remember, the Lord's kind of been speaking to our elders and our staff just about His working and preparing for what He wants to do. How many know God's always speaking? We kind of talked a little bit about that last week, but God's always working. Did you know that? I mean, God, until, until this whole thing comes to an end, God is going to be working. Can we all agree that God has a plan and God has a purpose? And if God has a plan and a purpose, then God is working His plan and purpose. And how many know that's really, as believers, what we're called? to, that's why we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, is because we're actually called to what? We're actually called, Romans 8, according to his purpose. And so because God has a plan and a purpose, we have plan. He has a plan and a purpose for each of our lives, both corporately and individually, which means God is always working, which means I need to always be prepared for God to use me. I need to be prepared for God to work in my life and through my life. I don't want to be stagnant in my faith and just kind of occupying or whatever. No, I want to be prepared because God wants to use me. He may want to use me to encourage someone. He may want to use me to pray for someone. Those are very simple things. But even more than that, he use me on a serve team, use me in a ministry. But, but however it is, God is always wanting to work in and through our lives. And so we want to be prepared for that. And I felt like even though I know uh, the holidays can get so busy, sometimes, how many know, even me, I'm guilty of getting all caught up in all the holidays and getting busy, that, that maybe I'm not as prepared as usual for God to actually work through me because I'm trying to prepare to celebrate. Am I the only one? Okay, it's just, I, I'm, thank you for saying no. I'm not going to ask you. I've got to see your hand. Praise the Lord. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we need to be preparing for God to work. And I just think God is obviously speaking to us about a fruitful season in our church and in our lives. And I just wanted, even in this time where sometimes we can, uh, as one of my teenagers will say a lot of times, like, Dad, I just, I just zoned out. And um, I don't want us to zone out. I want us to zone in, right? Tune in and realize that God is still working and wants to use all of us. And, and how do we prepare ourselves for how God wants to work in our lives. And so we started talking about this last week, and I want to continue talking about it this week. And so if you have your Bible, and then maybe something to take notes. I always like for us to take notes uh, concerning what God's speaking to us. And, I mean, you're already here. Let's get as much as we can. But in Luke chapter 1, if you would stand with me as we read God's Word. Luke chapter 1, we're going to talk about um, a, a girl's trip. as <laughs> Mary's girl's trip. Anyway, you know, Mary is such a girl. Like, you know, the angel says you're going to have a baby. She's like, girl's trip, you know, and she like goes to see Elizabeth. You know, how many guys, you know, we all know girls and girl's trips anyways. And so we're going to read about that. And in particular, we're going to read what is, you know, depending on the Bible you have, it's called the Song of Mary, most typically in your Bible. Uh, it's known as Mary's Magnificat. Um, and our Magnificant, that Magnificant is more in line with the English, Magnificant is more in line with the Latin, and it's really named for the first verb used in what is known as the Latin Vulgate, and that sounds like, I'm sure it sounds like Charlie Brown's parents to some of you, what I just did there. But in the third century, late third century, early, uh, early fourth century, St. Jerome wanted a, what would be a common language Bible or a common Bible that was accessible. Uh, and so he wrote the Latin or, or created the Latin translation of the Bible, and we know that as the Vulgate. And so that is how this song is named, because the first verb, which is to magnify in, in the Latin, is magnificant. So it became Mary's magnification of the Lord. And so that's why it's titled. And I know you were sitting around this morning thinking, man, I really hope that he explains to us the song of Mary and how it got its title. And I would just say to that, you're welcome. All right. And so um, 
And so, but in this, it's almost like a, it's like a poem, almost like a doxology that Mary's going to give us. And she's going to talk about her gratitude. So the overarching theme of this is gratitude, but she's going to talk about her gratitude that the Lord saw her. Now think about this, because if you're thinking about what could I be thankful for today or how could I worship the Lord today? Think about this because it's kind of, it's kind of divided into four strophes, if you will. And, and it's the first one's about this, this beginning of this gratitude that God's saw her and that God chose to use her. So think about that. So she's grateful for that. And then she's grateful for the grace of God and then the sovereignty of God. So the goodness of God. So God, you saw me and you want to use me and you are good and you are sovereign, meaning you are higher than and in control of the universe. And then she's thankful for what God's going to do uh, in his mercy towards God's people. And so it's like, it's just a, it's a beautiful really poem as it's, as it's laid out. And we know Mary's a church girl. She's from the lineage of David, but she's a church girl because in her words, you find a lot of similar themes as a lot of the Psalms and then the song of Hannah. So we're going to read this together. But, but the, oh, the reason we're, we're reading this, and I want to show this to you, is because we're looking at Mary's gratitude for what God has spoken So what he's doing and what he's going to do. And so uh, verse 39, Luke chapter 1, it says, Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to the city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. So here you go, girl's trip. She gets pregnant. we got to go celebrate with the girls, right? Um, And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe, that would be John the Baptist, leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Isn't this amazing how Elizabeth instinctively has this encounter with God and knows stuff? I mean, it's, it's just amazing how God is so powerful and his spirit works. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leapt in my womb for joy. And then look at verse 45, such a good word. Blessed is he, blessed is she who believed, for, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. I, I don't have time to preach that, but just look at that verse. Blessed is she who believed, because the God's going to do what he said. Right? If God speaks it, our job then is not to perform it, it's to believe it. Are you with me? And then here comes the song of Mary. And so then Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth and all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown them strength with his arm and scattered the proud Uh, in the imagination of their hearts and has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly and he's filled the hungry with good things and and the rich he has set away he, he has sent away empty and he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers to Abraham and to his seed forever and then Mary stayed about three months more with Elizabeth so I want to talk to you today about um the, the attitude that determines altitude. It's kind of a long title. The attitude that determines your altitude. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. God, we've had hopefully a wonderful week with family, um, enjoyed time with friends. We've eaten good food. And God, now we've come to the house of the Lord to eat spiritual food. So Lord, today, let your word nourish our soul and speak to our hearts. And Lord, let us be forever transformed by your presence in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Hey, you can be seated. Thanks so much for honoring God's word and standing with me. Um, Your attitude determines your altitude. Has anyone ever heard the phrase? Maybe you went to, I, I can't remember who made it popular. Maybe it's someone like a John Maxwell or someone like that. But they said, attitude determines altitude. Has anyone ever heard that before? Um, so not many. Okay, well, let me explain. Very good. Um, <laughs> glad I asked. And if you're sitting here thinking, I know what it means, you should have raised your hand. And then I wouldn't have added this in the message right now. 
So there you go. <laughs> Anyways, um, but, you know, it really comes. It's, so I have a pilot's license. I don't fly much anymore, but I have a pilot's license. So in 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 an airplane, you have an instrument which gives you your attitude, which is to say your pitch versus on the horizon is your nose up or is your nose down. If based on the horizon, if my nose is up, then I'm going to ascend, right? And if my nose is down, I'm going to descend. So setting your attitude determines what altitude you go to. Does this make sense so far? Right. So I think one of the things we have to understand in our lives is in our own lives, we all have an attitude that we get to set. Sometimes it's a bad attitude that needs to be set to a good attitude. Are you, are you tracking? If you've raised children, then you know sometimes they have bad attitudes and we have to correct those attitudes. Amen. Are you with me? How many as adults, you just be honest, say sometimes, you know what? I kind of have a bad attitude. I do. I've learned to be honest about it. I usually let Jana know. First, first one I tell is Jana. I'm like, hey, honey, I don't know what the deal is with me today. I just don't have a very good attitude. I'm kind of grumpy today. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Pray for me. You know, I just, but it's not you. Like, I'm fine. You're fine. But I'm grumpy. I don't know what it is. You know, because, and, and then what I have to do, for me, I have to go spend time with the Lord and say, Lord, we got to get this together. Like, I don't know what's going on. The point is, though, that I can determine my attitude. But here's the reality, your attitude, your perspective, a lot of ways determines kind of the experience you have in life. I heard someone say, I think it was a psychologist say, you know, he said, honestly, in life, he said, what happens to you is, is maybe 10 to 20% of your life, but how you respond to it really determines the 80 to 90% of how your life goes right? We're all going to have very difficult things. I wish it weren't true, but we all know that. Some have catastrophic things. Some have difficult things. You know, we all go through stuff, but how, how we set our attitude determines uh, how, we, how we make it through, honestly. And, and the attitude that I really want to talk about today is gratitude, Gratitude. Now, I know we just came through Thanksgiving, and I almost did this message last week because I thought leading up to Thanksgiving, it would be good to teach on gratitude. But I felt like what the Holy Spirit told me was, he said, no, I want you to do this message second after Thanksgiving to remind people that although the day of Thanksgiving has ended, the practice of Thanksgiving has not. Are you with me? And, and what I really see, and this is kind of bringing this together with the idea of great expectations, but what I really see in, um, in Mary's heart and in Mary's life, this issue of thanksgiving and, give, and gratitude, it really is this truth, and, and you may want to write this down, but giving thanks or gratitude, I will say giving thanks, it actually prepares me for what God wants to do in and through my life. And I think it promotes what God wants to do in and through my life. And I think that's why when Mary, like she receives this incredible encounter from Gabriel, this has never happened before, right? And, 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 and this experience of this angel and you're going to have a baby and all this. And I think she meets with Elizabeth and her, her heart is just fixed on gratitude. Like, I don't even understand. I don't have all the details worked out. I was planning a wedding. Now I'm going to have a child. But Mary expresses this gratitude, and it comes out in this song that, that she creates. And I think gratitude really promotes um, what God wants to do. Here's what I know. God comes to prepared places. You may want to write that down. I haven't even gotten to the points yet, but I feel like I'm, I'm laying down some pretty good things right now. God comes to prepared places. I mean, when, when Mary, think about this. When Mary, when God chooses Mary, it wasn't like, um, you know, like womb roulette or something like that. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like, mm, and you know, who will I pick? It doesn't matter. No. When the angel shows up to Mary, the angel actually says, you have found favor. This tells me a lot about Mary because it tells me Mary was living in a way that attracted the attention of God attracted the confidence of God and caused God to choose her to work through. 
So it may be we're sitting here asking God to do things in our life and God's saying, when you start preparing for me to work, that's when I'll work. You can ask me, that's fine. But I'm waiting to see that preparedness that attracts my favor and my grace to your life and gives me confidence that you're actually ready for me to move. Because most of the things we pray about, I don't know, are you preparing for what you're praying for? And would you be ready for it today? Do you see what I'm saying? Because God comes to prepared places. And I would say one of the ways we prepare our hearts and the place that we want God to work and we want God to move in our lives, one of the key ways is with giving thanks and thanksgiving. And that's what I, I want to show you today. Do you see that? Is that making sense? And so here, Mary, you know, she, she gives thanks. Um, Thanks, thanksgiving, giving thanks, those ideas are in the Bible about 200 times, if you add them up, about 200 times in your Bible, which tells me they're significant, because there's a lot of things we even call significant that are not necessarily in your Bible that many times. And so I think with this, God is significant. In fact, look at this verse. Look at this verse about Thanksgiving. This is a good one. This is Paul writing to the Thessalonians, and there's a lot going on with the Thessalonians, and some of them are debating if Paul's really apostle, and then some of them are kind of, a lot of false teaching is going on in the church, and there's some persecution and all this. And Paul's writing to the Thessalonians. In fact, it's one of the first epistles that he writes. He's writing to, to the Thessalonians, and he's trying to encourage them to hold on to the faith. And the way he's saying is hold to the faith. He's saying, hey, Christ is returning. It's, it's a great uh, obviously a great letter, but look at what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. You've probably heard this before, but look at this. He's talking about giving thanks. Now look at this. He says, give thanks. Essentially, look, he says, in everything. In, did you get that in everything? Not, he didn't say in the good things. Like this to me is so challenging because I don't know about you, but I've still, I'm just going to be straight up honest with you, put my cards on the table. I haven't mastered this. Like I can have, I can be having a good day and then we have to wait in a line and I'm not even sure I'm saved anymore. <laughs> you, can, you can ask Jana. Like I, like, no, like we, like, <laughs> anyway, no, I'm, you know, we, I listen, I've been having a good day. And I don't know why it is. I don't know if y'all have this experience. But it seems whoever gets in front of me has nowhere to go. <laughs> has anyone else? This is like a, I don't know. This is a joke in our family. Like, it, I think Jana starts praying. Like, immediately. Someone gets in front of me and they're not going the speed limit. I think she goes into intercession. Uh, my daughter, if she's with me, Mariah will say, Dad, you know, God's just working on your patience. I'm like, I didn't ask for that. <laughs> I didn't ask for that. And so to me, I, you know, if someone gets in front of me and you can't pass them and they're like 10 miles an hour on the speed limit, I'm telling you right now, I'm not sure I'm born again. <laughs> I'm not sure. I have to pray about it. But he says in every situation, no matter what the circumstances may be, look at that. Be thankful. And then look at what he says after this. Be thankful, and then look at this, so key to me, and give thanks. Be thank now, that sounds very redundant, doesn't it? Be thankful and give thanks. Be thankful and give thanks. But here's, here's the truth of it. It's one thing to be thankful. It's another thing to express it. He said, be thankful. See, a lot of times, I'll be honest, if I took a poll over here today and I said, how many people in here are, thank, are, are thankful about things in your life or God or your family or whatever? Every hand would go up and I would believe you. I think that's very true of you. But he didn't say just be thankful. He said, give thanks, express. And this is what he said. Thanksgiving is not Thanksgiving until you give thanks. So he said, be thankful and give. You know, I thought about this. Um, in Luke chapter 17, I don't know if you remember this, but in Luke chapter 17, Jesus heals 10 lepers, but only one of them come back to say thank you. And Jesus says, didn't I, didn't I heal 10? And the one comes back as a Samaritan, which is a whole thing for Jews because they didn't like each other. And so it's just an interesting story that Luke points that out. Um, but I think that's because Luke was a Gentile. But the point is, Jesus is like, wow, this is crazy. Like, I, I did a miracle for 10, but only one came back and said thank you. And I wonder sometimes, you know, I've even asked the Lord, is that really the percentage among your people today? Like, you do work in our lives, and about 10% of people maybe come back and say thank you for it. 
you know, I don't, I'm not saying it is. I'm just curious, you know, just curiosities that I have. But, but Thanksgiving isn't Thanksgiving until I give thanks. Are you with me? But look to me what's key, and this is important for, for today, because he says, be thankful and continually give thanks. And he says, this is the will of God for your lives. So if you're like, Lord, I don't know your plan for me today. Here's your verse. Here's a place to start. God, what is your will for my life? God's like, give thanks all the time <laughs> in everything. But look at this. This to me is amazing because you understand Paul is writing a letter. So when we read the Bible, how do we read the Bible? You have to put the Bible in the right context, right? Um, because if you don't put the right, the, it, it, a text without a context gets you conned. Are you with me? And there's a lot of scripture grabbing in our world today. And I watch it with pastors. They just pick a scripture and it sounds really good. And I'm like, that's not the context of that verse, right? So I have to read in context. My point is Paul doesn't stop with, it's the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. He continue, he's writing a letter. This is all written at the same time. So look at verse 19. And then he says this, do not quench which is, this is amplified. So amplified is, I think, maybe no offense, women, but I think it's written by a woman because she adds a lot of words. It could be written by me, honestly, truthfully, because I add a lot of words. We were talking about this the other night. I can't say, they were talking about a game you win if you can say a, say a thought in less, than, less words than everyone else, and I'm like, I lose. I'm like, I can't, I can't even say good morning without, you know, four paragraphs. Anyways, um, so maybe I wrote the amplified. Anyways, the point is, but he continues on. This is the will of God. He says, don't quench. And then he says, suppress or subdue the work and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Did you, did you see? Put these together. He's talking about Thanksgiving. And he's like, hey, give thanks. Because watch this. If you don't give thanks you could actually hinder God's work in your life. He's continuing, he's like, give thanks in everything. Don't quench, don't suppress the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and I mean, this, this became, this, I've never seen that until I, I was studying, I read that, I said, wait, now I knew these two verses I know this whole chapter and I've never put together because so many times we put, we say, don't quench the Holy Spirit when we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And then we use verse 18 when we're talking about Thanksgiving, all things give thanks. And I've never put the two together until this week. And I was saying, I was like, holy cow. Could it be that I'm praying for God to work in my life? But one of the ways I partner and prepare for God to work in my life is with Thanksgiving and when I don't live a life of gratitude and thanksgiving, it actually suppresses the work of God in my life. And so I want us to talk about just really three things about thanksgiving. And so if you're taking notes, write this down. Short, easy points reminding us in a lot of ways, but maybe challenging us too. Number one, write this down. It says, I, I want to talk about the enemy of thanksgiving. Because I thought, you know, if... if if we're going to be more thankful, we have to talk about, well, what gets in the way of thanksgiving? What gets in the way of gratitude? What gets in the way of giving thanks? And, and here's what it is. Are you ready for this? Complaining. Oh, I know. I just set someone free right there. <laughs> like deliverance, Jesus. Lord, help us, Lord. Complaining. Does anybody else, you don't have to raise your hands. Does anybody else struggle with this? Maybe just a little bit. I think in our culture, you know, if, if you're on social media... Um, I laugh because, you know, Google reviews are helpful to some re regard if you're trying to find a restaurant or a place to stay. But I also laugh at the people that no one asked them, but you can tell they became a culinary critic. <laughs> and, and sometimes out of fun, I did this one time, I clicked on their profile. And sure enough, they eat at all the restaurants and leave a bad review no matter what, you know, because they're criticizing. And I'm like, okay. Who asked you to be the food critic? Like, you know, I just want to know, did you have a good time? Was the food good? And you've written 14 pages here about how you think the chef's preparation skills are lacking and you weren't even in the kitchen. Like, who died and made you this? You know what I mean? I'm just saying. So um, I found in our culture, you know, another thing I think that works against this that kind of goes hand in hand with this is entitlement. Uh, because as long as you think it's owed you, you'll never be grateful for it. 
And I think sometimes Christians, as Christians, I don't mean this in a bad way, because God is our Father, sometimes, okay, I've struggled with this. Maybe you have. If it resonates, let it heal you. If not, you're better than me, and uh, come pray for me later. All right. But sometimes as Christians, we expect God to do things in our lives and more for us maybe than what we think he did and we almost feel like well you're God and I'm your chosen and I'm your loved and I'm entitled to more yeah that's okay we can be quiet for a minute and let you think about it in fact a lot of times this plays out in our uh, prayer life because sometimes we call it prayer when really it's just a complaining session Merry Christmas Am I the only one that's ever started prayer explaining to God how he did not do things that he needed to do and could change some things? And Am I the only one that's ever pointed out someone else's blessing to God? Like, you know, God, I don't know why in the world, because here's what I know about them. And... Uh... <laughs> yeah. Look at Philippians 2.14. This is what Paul says to the Philippians. He says, do everything without. This is an, I'm, today I'm just bringing you scriptures that I, I'm still working on. Because I haven't gotten this one yet either. You understand what I'm saying? Do everything without complaining, everybody. Without complaining. Do everything. How many things? Everything. Do my job without complaining, clean up the kid's mess without complaining, fix the house, fix the car, clean the house, fix the problem at the office without complaining. I'm not there yet. I'm just, I'm just, it's confession hour for me, okay? The Lord's working in my life. Just pray for me, but I'm not there. But he says, do everything without complaining. Look at 1 Corinthians 10. This is Paul, and he's talking to the Corinthians who are obviously struggling with this, and he brings up... Um, the exodus and the children of Israel coming out of Egypt and they're in the wilderness and he brings up how they complained. And look what he says, because he says, this is our example. He says this, do everything. I'm sorry, that was first verse. First Corinthians 10 verse nine says, we should not test Christ. Look at that. Well, I don't want to test Christ, right? I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. So how would I do that? As some did and were killed by snakes. Everybody say, thank God for grace. Especially if you don't like snakes. And if you do like snakes, there's something wrong with you. Okay. And do not grumble. Oh, there it is. And do not grumble or complain, you could say, as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. Everybody say, thank God for grace again. Not sure we'd be here without it. This is what he says, verse 11. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. And so here's what Paul said. He said, here's some warning. So here's what happened. They had, God had brought them. He had delivered them. He even gives them a victory right before this. He gives them victory. You can read it in Numbers chapter 21. So he gives them, they're, they're victorious. And then they start grumbling and complaining against the Lord. And they would say things like, we just want to go back to Egypt. We just want our, they would say, this always cracks me up. We want our leeks and our onions and our beds. I'm like, I'm with you on the bed. But a leak is not tempting to me. I don't, I, that sounds like something you need some flex seal. That stuff you spray, it fixes leaks. You know, you need something. Anyways, the point is they're, they're grumbling and they're complaining. And then all of a sudden they start dying. In fact, 28,000 of them died. And I guess it was about the 28,000th funeral that somebody's like, you know, I don't know. You think maybe we upset the Lord here or something? Like, it just seems like this is not going well. You know, is there a problem? Isn't it sometimes interesting how bad things have to go before God finally gets our attention? Right? And then they had this revelation, you know? Like, I think sometimes we're praying in those situations. We're praying and we're like, oh, God, give me revelation. Like, it's got to be something so deep. So deep, Lord. And God's like, could you just be thankful? Could you just not complain because that would prepare your heart and open your heart up for what I want to do? And like, no, God, it has to be something deeper than that. Like, I, no, no, it really could just be forgive them or, you know, it really could just be practice gratitude and thanks. Anyways, the point is that um, Paul is saying here to them, he's like, hey, listen, this grumbling and complaining, look at this. It costs them 
for many of them, it cost them the promised land. It cost them what I wanted to do in their lives. And so he's saying, hey, Thanksgiving, look at this. Thanksgiving prepares us and complaining prohibits. So Thanksgiving promotes what God wants to do in our life. And complaining prohibits what God wants to do in our life. And so it's incredibly important that we understand that there's an enemy of Thanksgiving. And the enemy of Thanksgiving is complaining. You know, you can't complain and be thankful at the same time. You just can't do it. So the enemy of Thanksgiving. Let me talk to you about the potential of Thanksgiving. I thought this was so good because we're talking about Thanksgiving. The first thing, and you can write this down. I have three things under this, but they're all worthy of being talked about. The potential of Thanksgiving. First of all, Thanksgiving keeps me in the presence of the Lord. Thanksgiving keeps me in the presence of the Lord. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. And I would say then, well, complaining probably takes me out of the presence of the Lord. Right? Does anyone, if someone called you, even this good friend or even a child, someone you really love, and they said, hey, would you come meet with me for the next hour so I can complain to you? Would you take that appointment? But if you said, hey, would you come meet with me for the next hour so I can express my thanks to you? Would you take that appointment? Do you think God's a whole lot different? I mean, he's definitely more gracious and definitely more loving and definitely more kind. But I think there's, there's a key here to the presence of the Lord. And thanksgiving. In fact, you can read Psalm 95 verse 2 says, Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and let us shout joyfully to his name with, with psalms. You know, psalms like enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. See, thanksgiving is the foundation of worship. You need to understand this. Thanksgiving is the foundation of worship. That's why a lot of times, especially Monday at prayer, um, but a lot of times this is why even on the weekends we start maybe with a song that's a little more upbeat, a little more fun, exciting, because really we enter his gates with thanksgiving. We come before his presence with thanksgiving. This is the way into the presence of the Lord is thanksgiving. And so a lot of times on Mondays when we're in prayer, a lot of times they'll lead us, the worship uh, team will lead us, and they'll say, hey, let's, before we even sing, let's just give thanks. Let's just thank the Lord um, for his goodness or whatever is on your heart. Why? Because Thanksgiving, it leads me into the presence of the Lord. Um, it is actually the foundation of my worship. And here's what I know. If, if I am not grateful, I will not worship. If you're struggling to enter into the presence of the Lord, to really encounter the presence of the Lord, if you're struggling to really encounter God's presence, you know, like the Bible talks about in Acts, Peter, Peter tells us times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord, right? Um, the Bible also, Scripture tells us that uh, at his right hand, you know, in your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand treasures forevermore. So think about that. Where is joy in his presence? Where is refreshing in his presence? So I was created to be in the presence of God. I need the presence of God. And listen to me, if I, if I am not practicing and full of gratitude, I'm, I'm missing an opportunity to, to stay in the presence of God, to keep myself in the presence of God, and to be close to the presence of God. Are you with in, in, um in the Hebrew language, there are nine words for worship in your Bible that they're translated worship. One of them is Yadah, and Yadah means literally give thanks or confess thanks. And it's one, of the it's one of the words for worship. It can also mean extend your hand, extend your hand or to lift your hand. But most of the time, it would be translated giving thanks or, or offering thanks, something of that nature. But it's a word for worship. And what I want you to understand is if we want to live a life in the presence of God, we talk about living lives as a worshiper because God is worthy of our praise and God is worthy of our worship, then ultimately thanksgiving is, is the first step in that. And, and if I am not living my life being grateful to God and, and in thanksgiving, then honestly, listen, I'm missing out. I feel like in our church, and a lot of the reason I want to do this series, I feel like God is wanting to take our church to 
to a new level in him, to, to a new level of encounter with him, to knowing him more and to understanding his ways more. And I think that should be the aim really of every Christian life. But I feel God doing something in that in our church. And so we did a series on, on giving. Giving takes you to a new level in your faith. It takes you to a new level in your encounter with him, your trust in him and all those things. But, but I think the next thing God wants to do is he wants to take our church to a new level in worship. And that's really where we encounter him and encounter his presence is in worship. And I think when you understand that thanksgiving, like when you're coming to worship here on the weekends, I think, and you can do this at home, but I think start in the mornings by giving thanks to the Lord for something. And even as you're coming into church, don't just drive to church, but even if it's just in your heart, say, Lord, you know, I'm thankful that we get to go to the house of the Lord today because there are literally Christians all over the world who cannot go to the house of the Lord today, but we get to freely go to the house of the Lord. Lord, I thank you that, that today we're, we're going to encounter your presence and I'm going to be with your people and you're going to speak. In other words, let's prepare our heart because Thanksgiving produces worship, and it takes me into the presence of the Lord. Here's the second thing. Um, Thanksgiving keeps me focused on God, and you could also say focused on good. How many know in our world it's really easy to get focused on bad, right? Especially if, if you're brave enough to watch the news. And so there's a lot of things that are going on in our world. But I want to keep my focus. I think this is what Mary's even doing in, in, in the Magnificat as she's giving praise to God. It's just bringing her focus back to God. It's, it's, it's bringing her attention back to God because it keeps me focused on Him and it keeps me focused on, listen, what He has done, which in a way prepares me and gives me hope for what He will do. I think it's a dangerous thing to stop giving thanks or to not give thanks to the Lord. Because Thanksgiving keeps me connected to him. It keeps me focused on him. It keeps me focused on the good. But listen to this. When I have that kind of focus, it keeps me in a place of hope and expectancy. Because I thank God for what he did, but I'm thanking God for what he's going to do. And when I celebrate what God has done, then in a way it keeps that hope alive that, well, he had, he, like Mary's praising God because he saw her and he chose her. And when I continue to thank God for the good things that he's done in my life, it reminds me that he saw me and he chose me and he's been good to me. And if he's been good to me, he's going to be good to me. And it keeps my focus when the bad things come and the struggles and we know that stuff's going to happen. But if I have a life of gratitude and a practice of giving thanks, then it will pull me back to say, well, I know this is a challenge, but God has been faithful. God has been good. God has been loving and God will be faithful. He will be good. And he is still loving. Are you with me? It keeps me focused. But here, here's the third thing is that Thanksgiving keeps me healthy. Check this out. Like for real, Thanksgiving keeps you healthy. One of the biggest things that we encounter in our culture today, and many of you know this, and, and even myself, I deal with this, and you've dealt with this, is anxiety. A lot of anxiety in our culture. I mean, more anxiety probably we've ever seen in our culture. But, but check this out. Anxiety, um, psychologists tell us this. Anxiety or worry, anxiety, and Thanksgiving, both have chemical reactions in the brain. They both release chemicals like serotonin, uh, dopamine, cortisol, right? And serotonin, dopamine, those can be really good. Cortisol is not so good for your body. That's your stress and all that, right? High cortisol levels, not necessarily good. But Thanksgiving actually produces um, oxytocin uh, in your body. And oxytocin, along with endorphins, are actually your I feel happy chemicals. Did you know this? And so what science actually tells us, check this out, science actually tells us that it's impossible for your brain to be thankful and anxious at the same time. That's what they actually say. So you, you're either going to be anxious or you're going to be thankful, but you can't be anxiously thankful or thankfully anxious. And this is what science tells us. So look at what the Word of God, this is so cool, because look at what, what Paul said to the Philippians. 
He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication. Look at this. With thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses understanding or all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Look, look at this. This is what he said. Don't be anxious. Well, that's easy for you to say, Paul. That's easy for you to say. But he's like, but let me give you the key. Don't be anxious. Pray and give thanks. Listen, if you understand anxiety, you don't choose to be anxious. Right? You don't choose to be anxious. It's something that happens in your brain, however it happens. Whatever triggers it, whatever happens, it's what you, it's what you experience. I can't choose to not have anxiety. Right? I can't. I wish I could. But listen very carefully. But I can choose to be thankful. And if my brain is incapable of being anxious and thankful at the same time, and I cannot control my anxiety, then what I should do is control my thanksgiving and my, and my gratitude. Are you with me? Um, these psychologists did a test. This is so cool. But they did one of their experiments. I don't know how you sign up for these. There's a few of them I'd kind of like to try, maybe. I don't know. Um, but they took a, a group of people. They divided them into two groups. And for 10 weeks, group A, um, they had a journal. And every day, they had to write down things they were grateful for. So every day, they're expressing gratitude. The other group, every day, they had to rehearse things that were bothering them or irritating them. Right? So they had to complain. Let's just call it what it is. Right? So you have group A, and they're giving thanks, and group B, and they're complaining. At the end of that 10 weeks, this was so cool, I wrote it down. At the end of that 10 weeks, the group that, that had practiced giving thanks, here are the results, they felt better about life. They had a more optimistic outlook on life. They exercised more, and they had fewer doctor's visits. Now, I know January's coming, so I'm just telling you, you're about 10 weeks of Thanksgiving away from losing 15 pounds. You understand what I'm saying? That's what I just read right there. Praise God. You are welcome. But Thanksgiving makes us healthy. Here, here's, the, here's the last thing, is that Thanksgiving has to be practiced. There's a practice of Thanksgiving, right? There's a practice to Thanksgiving. In other words, let's just be honest, for most people... Um, it's not always our default setting, especially in the culture in which we live. And, and unfortunately, a lot of times our default setting is complaining, murmuring, being irritated, those type of things, right? Um, and so this is actually, this is a choice that I can make. It's something that I learned to practice. In fact, this is something that I try to do every day, and, and I'll tell you more about this in a minute, but when Philippians 4 says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. I've just kind of started this practice that I will never ask God for something if I don't thank him for something first. Okay, let me say it again, because I thought that was really good, you know, and you're probably writing it down. But what if in your prayer life you said, because this keeps me away, because I've had a few of those um, murmuring and complaining prayer sessions where I called it prayer, but really it was just I was irritated. Again, no one else, no, not going to help me out on this, are you? It's like, no, Pastor, you're out there all by yourself. You're just going to saw the limb off while I'm out here. I thought we were in this together, but that's okay. But when you practice Thanksgiving before you pray, and when you practice thanksgiving, even when you're going, there's nothing wrong with asking God for good things. Absolutely. He wants, us, he, he wants us to bring our needs to him and trust him in those things. Absolutely he does. But what if we start with thanking him before we ask him? And just develop that practice. Like this is a practice um, in our lives. Just developing this attitude of gratitude and saying, you know what? I, I can't choose everything that's going on in my life, but today I can choose my attitude and I can choose to be grateful and so I can make the choice make the choice that today I'm going to be thankful I'm going to express gratitude um, with God I'm going to express gratitude uh, with with other people like you know for me um, I try to do this with Jana because I don't like doing laundry y'all I don't mind telling you I'll help I don't mind but laundry's you know and I'm not saying that she does 
And so my point is, probably no one likes doing laundry, but every time my laundry gets done, I'm like, baby, I thank you that I'm not having to do laundry today. Praise God. Every time a bathroom gets cleaned, I'm like, baby, let me tell you right now, you're amazing. Like, I am so grateful that I didn't have to clean this bathroom. And uh, what do you want? You know, like, I'm just saying, and, and some of you may be thinking in, in your house, you know, just question, just question. Like, when's the last time he mowed the yard and you thanked him for it? When's the last time, you know, she cooked the, the food and you said, thank you? And these are things, there are things, my point is there are things that happen every day that sometimes go overlooked. And they go overlooked because maybe we get used to them, but that doesn't mean we can't go back and say, hey, I want to give thanks for that. I want to be intentional. I want to make a choice. And so if if I'm going to be intentional and make a choice, I have to be intentional. Then I have to be expressive because remember what we said, Thanksgiving isn't Thanksgiving until you give thanks, right? And so you have to express it. You have to find a way to, to write it down or find a way to tell someone and say, you know what? I want to be thankful, and I want to give thanks, and I want to express that to God. And I think God knows your heart. Oh, God knows my heart, and God knows I'm thankful. That's great. That's wonderful, but I think he probably likes to hear it. Your spouse may know your heart, and they may know you appreciate this. Your boss could know you appreciate. You know, someone that works for you may know you appreciate them and their hard work. But your kids may know that you appreciate something about them. But, but even though they may understand that, there's something powerful in expressing thanks, not only relationally that keeps us connected and kind of keeps some harmony going here, but also in our lives keeps us focused on the good in our lives. Are you with me? And so be, be intentional, be expressive. Here's one. Sometimes you have to be creative. Everybody be somebody like, pastor, I've been thinking, I can't think of anything. I can't think of anything. Be thankful about him. Well, here's what I can tell you. There's someone single that'd love to have him. They'd take him stinky feet and all just because they're tired of eating by themselves. So here's one in your life, like create a gratitude journal And if you're married or you're in relationships, whatever those may be, take some time and and list the things you're grateful about. You know, like I'm grateful, like he wears deodorant. Sometimes you just got to get creative. You understand what I'm saying? Like he brushes his teeth. You know, I'm grateful for that. You know, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, and, and start there. And, you know, I'm grateful. He comes home. It's still on the fence there, but I'm grateful, you know. And listen to me, this is crazy. Um, in Judaism, this is, this is to help you right here. In Judaism, they actually had a prayer, and it was basically the prayer of the God who formed you. Um, I, I, I'm not good in my Hebrew. It's Asher Yetzah, uh, or Yetzar, was the name of this prayer that was prayed in, by Jews. Still prayed today, by the way. Still prayed today. In this prayer, it's essentially thanking God that he created their bodies with openings that waste could be eliminated through. That's creative to me. Like I had never thought to thank God for that one. Like I've thanked God for a lot of things, but I never thought, Lord, thank you that we have these openings because especially post Thanksgiving, we'd be in a bind without them. Are you like, Lord, thank God. Hallelujah. Are you with me? It's a little bit creative. I mean, it sounds really good in Hebrew when they say it. Uh, even in the English, it's because uh, it's blessed be the Lord God and the maker, you know, of the universe who made these openings. And I'm like, that is so holy. I would have never thought about that. My point is, if you look, you can find something to be thankful for. And thanksgiving is the attitude that changes your altitude. Come on, somebody. Um, where the Lord really started dealing me with this, and he's kind of brought me back to it, but in uh, 2020, how many remember 2020? Yeah, how many can believe it's almost like four years ago now or something like that? It's crazy. Um, <clears throat> it's kind of like when people say 30 years ago. I'm like, oh, the 70s. And they're like, no, that's, that's not 30 years ago. That's like 50 years ago. I'm like, shut up. Get behind me, Satan. But uh, in 2020, 
you know, it was a hard year. It was a hard year for everyone. It was probably the hardest year of my life. And, and I remember spending time with the Lord and just trying to, to process and trying to walk through that. And that's where the Lord really started speaking to me. He's like, Marty, I want you, I want you to, to be thankful. And I remember thinking, I'm not so like, Lord, I need help. Peace would be helpful. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I've got some problems you could solve. I, I need some healing and restoration. There's a lot of things I need. And the Lord's like, yeah, I want you to be thankful. I'm like, God, you're such like a ninja. You know, you are. You're like, you, like Yoda. It's like, no, I, I don't. He's like, I use the force. I don't want to use the force. I want to, you know, like it's anyways. The point is, he said, I want you to be thankful. And so uh, during that time, I would start every day with just giving thanks with whatever was on my heart, like whatever I could come up with. Sometimes I felt honestly like I had to be a little bit creative, but that's okay. You know what I'm saying? And then I developed a habit in my life that I would never start prayer or devotion to God that I didn't start by giving thanks for things first. And those could be recent things, or it could be things I remembered from long ago, or it could just be thanking the Lord for who He is, what, what, you know, that He is faithful, that He is true, that He is good, that He is loving, that as Mary, He, he saw me. You know, if nothing else, I can thank God that, that He sees me. One of His names that we see in the, in the uh, Old Testament, it's like Jehovah Ra, which is the God who sees, or sometimes they say Rohi, it's the God who sees, uh, or the Lord is my shepherd. It's, they're kind of put together, but it's the shepherd sees. And, and to me, I started, to me, this was a turning point for me, really, in experiencing not only the presence of God, but the power of God and watching God do things that just made me marvel into this day was just simply practicing gratitude and expressing gratitude. And, and I want you to know, I believe God has a huge plan for you. I believe everyone, God has a plan and a purpose for everyone. But I believe God works through prepared people. And I believe God comes to prepared places. And I think gratitude more than, maybe more than anything, but it is an important aspect and key to preparing our heart for what God not only is doing, but is going to do. And I just want us as a church, I want to see our worship go to a new level. I'm not saying that I'm trying to get anyone to behave a certain way. or That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying there's always greater places we can go in God. So it's not about a behavior. Please understand that. It's not about a hype or an emotionalism. It's really about a depth. But I think that depth comes really from that attitude of gratitude and being thankful to God. And giving thanks and letting thanksgiving bring us into his presence, letting it change and transform us and prepare us and promote what God wants to do in and through our lives. I think God wants to do stuff, and I think thanksgiving is a key. Amen? Can you give Jesus praise today? Yeah. Hey, Pastor Marty here from Pathway Church, and I just want to say thank you for joining us, and I want to encourage you to get connected and stay connected. And there's several ways you can do that. Number one, you can download the Pathway app, and we are all the time offering resources and information on that app for you. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel, and if you do, make sure you click the bell so that you never miss any life-giving and life-changing content as we add it to the channel. And then also, uh, make sure you follow us on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook. Look, our hope and heart for you is that you walk in the purpose for which God made and created and redeemed you for. We love to connect people to purpose. We thank you for giving us this opportunity. And if you're ever in Longview or you are in Longview, I'd love to invite you to join us in person each weekend. Listen, I pray God's best for your life. I believe if you follow Jesus, your best is ahead.